Okay, hi. Welcome to or welcome back to Hack Your Universe. It's Sarah. And today we're going to talk about time, okay? No intro, no bullshit to break the ice. We're just going to get right into it because I have a lot to say. Time is a very simple thing and it is an incredibly complex thing. Our good pal Albert Einstein called it a stubbornly persistent illusion. And yes, it's exactly that. So let's unpack it. And big disclaimer, I am not a physicist, okay? I know none of what I am about to say for certainty. This episode is brought to you by purely anecdotal evidence, my very strange imagination, and a lot of hypotheticals. So fair warning, shit's gonna get weird. As always, take what lands and leave what doesn't. So first, let me put you on to my favorite movie ever. And if you know me, you know that I'm a proud not movie girl. I'm too busy watching this movie that I'm living to make myself sit down and enjoy the others. That could be a flex and it could also be a flaw. But anyway, there's this one movie, Arrival. And if you know me in real life, the odds are I have given you the spiel or forced you to sit down and watch it with me. I can't even tell you how many times I've watched it at this point and it continues to rock my world over and over again. And the spark notes are this. Aliens touch down on Earth, and the government hires a linguist, played by Amy Adams, her name is Louise in the movie, to try to communicate with the aliens, or heptopods, as they call them. And this will kind of be a spoiler alert, so sorry, but also not really, because this idea is really just like the foundation of watching the movie. But the heptopod language is non-linear, so their language has no past, no present, or no future tense. And we know that language determines what and how you think. This is called the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis. And so under that context, the heptopods, they can see all of time at once as their brains are wired to communicate circularly. So the way that they describe it in the movie that I really love is imagine you had to write a sentence using both of your hands, like the left hand writing from left to right and the right hand moving from right to left. You would have to know all of the words that you were going to use and how much space the words would take up. Trippy, right? So as they learn the heptopod language, Louise starts perceiving the past, the present, and future all at once. And the whole movie is a mindfuck though because the story itself is not a linear explanation. Like what you experience in the beginning of the movie takes on an entirely different meaning at the end of the movie. Like at first, you assume that the beginning scenes are flashbacks to the past, but we go on to understand them to be glimpses of the future. And it's a lot to digest, but it's the most profound movie I've ever seen. So please go watch it if you haven't. And if you have watched it, watch it again and again and again, because I learn something new every time I watch it. But I want to share with you a couple quotes from this movie that I feel like sum up the way that it talks about time. First one is, we are bound by time and its order. Yep, just like Einstein said, it's a stubbornly persistent illusion. Also, memory is a strange thing. It doesn't work like I thought it did. And I'm not so sure I believe in beginnings and endings. And lastly, if you could see your whole life start to finish, would you change things? Just some things to chew on as I talk your ear off today. So because of the body that we are in and the words that we know and the things that we have digested as truth about time and space and relativity and such, we experience time linearly, okay? There is past, there is present, and there is future. 
Every single moment has a before and an after that we can't touch either anymore or yet. We can only move forward along the arrow of time. But for a long time, philosophers have hypothesized that it's actually more complex and things are a little bit more connected. So Nietzsche, who is my favorite philosopher of all time, called time a flat circle. And he thought that we are all moving along the circumference of this circle. He called it the theory of eternal recurrence. And he went on to say that life will run on a continuous loop and everything will just keep happening over and over and over again. I'm not sure I jive with that idea in its entirety, but I do like the flat circle idea. And from that, we can derive that everything is here. It's just happening over there. Like we can't perceive it from where we stand. And that's because we're three-dimensional. We can only experience the thing that's right in front of us, at least sensorily. But the past and the future are here right now. They're just hiding in the form of space. And we measure that space with time. Seconds, hours, minutes, days, weeks, months, years. I want you to think about one of those like photo slide viewers. You know the thing you like hold up to your eyes and you, you look through and you see pictures? Like you hold it up. And you can see one frame at a time and then you can slide it to the next one and then the next one and then the next one. But all of those slides are existing in the device and they're just moving around in a little carousel, right? But you can still only experience one at a time. However, the images don't just cease to exist when you're not looking at them, right? So from that, I argue all of time is equally real. Okay, the past and the future included. The present is nothing more than one individual moment in an endless collection of them. You can also think about it like this. So from wherever you are standing on earth, the earth appears flat or flat-ish, right? But because we have the tools to zoom all the way out and look at earth in its entirety, we have the knowledge that it's spherical, right? But we can't perceive that sphere from where we are standing on earth. So I like to think of time in that same way. We can stand in the present, we can imagine the past and the future, and our past and our present lives are existing right beside this moment. They're just at a different point on the circle that we can't perceive anymore or can't perceive yet. And when we add in how we talk about time, it becomes even more interesting. So think about how we say the sun rises and the sun sets but we know that it's the earth that's moving, right? The sun is not moving. So all of that to say our perceptions aren't always reality. And our human brains can only feel the science to a certain degree. We can only create our everyday experience of the world using the senses that we possess. Okay, hopefully you're following. I know this is a lot, especially if you're a visual learner. This probably just sounds like a lot of woo-woo garbage, but it kind of is. So you're right on time. But still, let me try to summarize all that like what are you trying to say sarah i'm trying to say we are bound by time and its order we are bound by our bodies and our language we will probably never have the tools to zoom all the way out and experience the circularness of all of time and i do not have the physics background to prove that time is not a line but based on the things i've experienced i can't quite believe that it is a line. I think it's more of like a web. I think there is energy from the past and the future lingering in the now. And the bottom line behind all of that, that I do believe fully, is that everything is connected. So if you're still listening, I'm going to go into a few tips and tricks for how to start perceiving the connectedness and unlocking time a little bit, like time traveling for dummies. 
So we're going to talk about how to start blurring the lines between your past and present and future self. And the way I'm going to do that is by adding some new words to your vocabulary because the words you know change the experience you have, right? So your first new or maybe not so new vocabulary term is breadcrumbs. Okay, I actually almost called this whole show breadcrumbs. This is probably my favorite word in the English language, although it definitely isn't defined this way in in the Webster's. But if you know me, you probably already know this theory. Breadcrumbs are clues, okay? They're little signs that you are in the right place at the right time. They're little nuggets of meaning. They're coincidences that are a little too coincidental to be coincidences. And the skeptic in you might want to call it a coincidence, but deep down you know that it's a little too connected. It's a a synchronicity, if you will. And the truth behind it is, if it feels meaningful, it is. Breadcrumbs show up in all different shapes and sizes and places. In conversation, music, TV, nature, license plates is a big one for me, numbers, anywhere. Like the kids at school also are so crummy. And I think that's fitting because I would argue that they are much closer to the source than we are. The things that they say have undeniable relationship to my experience and it is the coolest part about my life. But anyway, no matter how the breadcrumbs show up, they reveal the connectedness of things. So let's talk through some examples. My dad told me like a funny, silly one the other day. So apparently there are these chocolates at Costco that he and my sister really love. And my sister apparently stopped buying them for whatever reason. And she and her boyfriend were shopping there the other day. And someone else had picked the chocolates up and set them down in like a random aisle unrelated to the chocolates. And her boyfriend was like, oh, it's a sign that we need to start buying these again. And Aaron, my sister goes, yeah, that's a breadcrumb. So that's like a small, silly example. But think about all the things that had to happen for those chocolates to show up in that aisle, you know? right place, right time. But then let's size up a little bit. So when I was deciding where to go to college, I was, I was between UNC and App State and I'd always wanted to go to UNC, but I had some people in my life encouraging me to like get out of my comfort zone and go to App. And I let those people's voices get a little bigger than my own. And I actually committed to going to App and it did feel right for a second, but then I had this breadcrumb moment and everything shifted. So my family were state fans and we didn't really like UNC, but forever, for whatever reason, we had this tiny circular UNC magnet on our fridge. And one day, like in the midst of this decision making, I opened the fridge and the magnet fell off. And so did the thing that it was holding up. And it was a ripped ripped out page from a magazine that my grandma had given my mom and I don't remember the premise of the whole text I really wish I had a picture Um, but the very bottom was this quote that I'll never forget and it said about my future lord surprise me and I got this whole like full body chill and this feeling that like okay I have to go to UNC and I did and I listened to myself and I changed my mind and I have no idea who or where I would be had I gone to app like Maybe it would have been 10 times more amazing, but I am so eternally glad that I followed that breadcrumb onto the path that I walked. Another example is when my mom started dating her current boyfriend a couple years ago. The day she told me about him, I had written this whole journal entry about Satya, one of the yamas I talked about in the yoga episode, but he had gotten her a necklace and the jewelry company was called Satya and when my mom showed it to me, I was like, oh my God, I've been thinking about this all day. Like how weird. And to her, that felt like a breadcrumb that affirmed this new relationship was feeling right for her. And I'll pause and say that I have to give my mom credit for whatever part of my brain has been wired to see these kinds of things. Like my mom is 
who taught me to pay attention to the details of the universe. Like growing up, we would always look for sea glass on the beach and we would pull over on the side of the road when she would see a really cool tree and like we would hunt for faces and animals and shapes and things in the bark or other places in nature. And seeing breadcrumbs requires that. It requires an attention to what's right in front of you. You have to practice being fully present in whatever space that you're in. You have to look and listen and experience life sensorily. And you have to be open to things being a little magical because we see what we look for, right? So maybe none of this means anything and maybe it's all magic. It's like seeing pictures in the clouds. Like, is it an artwork of God or is it an accident? I don't care because I like the way it feels, right? Like it doesn't matter if it's the universe is doing or not. It's about being willing to see parts of ourselves in things outside of us. So breadcrumbs also show up in people a lot of the times too. Like one of my favorite examples is I had all of these wild connections to this professor in college who would eventually become my favorite professor, mentor, research partner, all of these things to me. We kind of looked alike, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. But we were interested in all of the same things academically. And she attended the tiny liberal arts university in South Carolina that my family basically ran for years. And there were all these other things that kept adding up and connecting us. And I was like, okay, yeah, I am very much meant to know this person. So I made an effort to get to know her. And it ended up being the most influential relationship I made in college. So that's the next step of of breadcrumbing is following them like when you notice a breadcrumb and there is a path in front of it follow it another example is when i started thinking about making a podcast i met this guy at the studio shout out tyler and i asked him randomly about the shirt he was wearing and he said it was one of the podcasts he worked on and i was like oh wait tell me more i was meant to meet you and that's the point right there like there are people and places and things that remind you that you're on the right path and the point is to move closer to those things and the more you pay attention the more you will see the more you will collect and the more magic you'll find so there are breadcrumbs and then there are croutons okay these are breadcrumbs from the past basically you get it like a stale breadcrumb crouton i have to thank my friend christina for helping me coin that term but this is where we start to bend time a little bit more so stay with me and these are things that happened in the past that now have meaning to your present self so the most common occurrence of this is like i'll find pictures that i took of things a long time ago that i couldn't really explain why i felt compelled to take a picture of but then when i'm looking back on it it'll have this whole wild connection to my current life and it's like oh yeah that's why i took the picture of that because my future self needed me to do that another example that always comes to mind is this home video that my best friend from childhood uncovered pretty recently and it was a video of us together singing about lemons and as you know lemon is my my middle name and that, that's another smaller like sillier example but it felt really cool it was one of those moments where i like felt myself blink and my entire life flashed before my eyes and these can get a lot bigger too especially when it comes to relationships so i met this person a few years ago and it was one of those weird indescribable feelings of like being so connected to a person before we have ever even spoke to each other and i would go on to know and love this person very deeply and when i looked back at that first meeting and the feeling i had that i really couldn't describe i was like whoa was was my past self remembering the future in that moment that we met and that's what i think of croutons as like our past selves remembering something about the future 
Like my future self was communicating with my present self to nudge me into that experience that I was meant to have. And that's another term for you, nudge. So nudges mostly come in the form of feelings. Sometimes they can come from other people, but usually they're gut feelings. They can be slow and gradual or fast and impulsive, but it's that feeling you get when you just know something. And sometimes it's a thing that you'll pretend that you don't know. There usually aren't a lot of words attached to these feelings. They're usually just messages or sensations in the body. And I think this is one way that our future self communicates with our present self by either moving us towards something or away from something. So you can think of that um, UNC magnet as you know a breadcrumb and also a nudge. Like it was moving me closer to this thing that I already knew inside that I was pretending not to know. Another example of this is right before COVID hit, I took a trip to Spain and like last minute, I got this weird urge to grab a book that my great grandfather had written and I never opened it, but I was like, oh, I, I just feel like I need to take this. And my great grandfather, his, his work was also in sociology and higher education, just like mine. And I had never really sat with that fact consciously, but like my academic experience completely mirrored his professional life and as I was sitting on this train reading this book I just started crying uncontrollably because I felt like reading these words were like reading my own words I was like damn I am undeniably connected to this man who I barely even knew in this life we had almost identical worldviews and it was a really really trippy full circle moment like are our lives just extensions or continuations of the people who came before us I don't know. I guess this is more than a nudge or a breadcrumb. I don't even know what to call this experience. I'll have to come up with a word for that. Tortilla? I don't know. All right. I have lots of other examples archived, but I don't want to spend too much time harping on them. Hopefully you get the gist. Let me know if there are questions. Next, I want to talk about memories and dreams. And these are major tools for dissecting the strangeness of ourselves and the strangeness of time. I know not everybody dreams deeply or vividly, but I do. And it is a blessing and it is a curse because I have found a lot of strange shit in there, okay? And when we dream, we leave our body. We get really into the self with a capital S. All of the hidden subconscious shit comes up. And many times in my life, I have dreamt things that later happened in real life. I've also taken some of my dreams as nudges or signs. Like I've changed my mind and changed my course of action about something based on something that a dream made me feel. I'm not sure if this is a sound practice at all because I do be dreaming some weird shit sometimes. But I just don't think the things that show up when we sleep are accidental. Like dreaming is literally our brain processing the things that have happened to us, right? Could it also be the place where we process things that haven't happened to us yet? I don't know. Science knows very little about dreams. It's a dimension entirely foreign to us. But I do know that the things that show up in our subconscious are worth getting to know. And I wish I had like a magic pill to make everybody dream vividly and remember them all. But the the only piece of advice I have to offer you if you do want to get closer to your physical dreams is to write them down when you remember them every single time. Because as you do that, it, it starts to get easier and easier to like bring things into the waking hour with you. But it does take a lot of practice. All right. In addition to very strange and wild dreams, I also have a lot of strange and wild flashbacks. My memory archive is humongous. It is also a blessing, also a curse. And I really don't know if this is like a typical experience, but it's just 
my experience. I have these really vivid, sometimes really random, sometimes not random flashbacks. And when this happens, I'll often wonder like, what message is my past self trying to send me in this moment? Why did I decide to screenshot that moment in time back then? And why is it showing up now? I've also experienced several daydreams about the future that have actually happened. Okay, it sounds crazy, but again, just my experience. And the experience has never shown up in like exactly the same way, but I'll just get these little like premonitions and I'm like, hmm, well, all right. Can't wait to see what this means. And they have manifested before and they have not manifested before or maybe they just haven't manifested yet. And I'm not talking like little things like, oh, I see myself in the grocery store tomorrow, like things that don't commonly occur. Okay. These are bigger things that like involve other people. And oftentimes they're things that like, I don't even really consciously want to happen. So it just makes me question it all a little bit, a lot of it. And I've, I've always been this way and I don't really know why exactly. I mean, obviously I have done a lot of, um, like spiritual practices throughout my life. So maybe that is part of it. But I think that one tangible thing that might be at play here is that I do spend a lot of time in my past. And maybe possibly somewhere, somehow, my time spent kind of like in my memory archive has allowed me to kind of unlock the other side. Sounds wild, but... I don't know. I'm just trying to make a meaning out of this. Make some sense of the brain that I have. Anyways, one way that I have allowed myself to spend more time in the past is because I document. I always have. I am a proud historian. I just really like to remember stuff. And it's always come very easily to me. Like my mom used to call me her memory. And I have this running document called Everything I Can Remember. I started this in college. I would go to the gym and run on the treadmill and like to distract myself, I would actively like search my memory for moments. And when I found one, I would write it down and a couple words to describe it. And then it would lead me to another one and another one and another one. And I would just get lost up there. And then I would go in and organize chronologically. And it just became this really cool practice for like sifting through my past. I've also had a journaling practice for a long time and I do my voice memos and I take a lot of pictures and videos and I make playlists for like specific seasons of my life. It's like, it's how I watch the motherfucking movie, right? I look and I listen and I feel and I try to analyze and understand and I hold on to the things I want to remember about my life. One of my all-time favorite mantras is one day you'll want to know what it feels like to be here. Ooh, it hits me right in the heart. I actually got my hand tattooed with the word here for that exact quote. That said, I think everyone should have a form of documentation, whatever it is. Journaling, photos, videos, writing random things down in your notes app. Just find a way to capture the essence of the moment that you're in. Because before you know it, you'll be in a new season, a new chapter, and you'll wonder what it felt like to be where you are right now. And art, music, pictures, word, they all help us maintain memory. And I don't know about you, but ugh, memories, I want to hold on to them. They, they're worth keeping around because you never know how they will relate to the present or the future you. It's like you get to rewatch the old seas in your movie and notice all the space you've made since then. 
All right, so let's get into our future selves a little bit more. So we've all heard of the word manifesting, right? Calling something into our experience. We do this subconsciously, and we can also play with doing it consciously. And I want to tell you a story of the first time that I remember manifesting something. You know, I didn't know what that word meant, but I was doing it. So when I was in sixth grade going into seventh grade, they did this weird thing with like our teams and three of the teams were going to be seventh grade and then one of the teams was going to be half seventh half eighth grade and on this split team was a teacher that i had had the previous year that i really 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 did not want to have again okay so as the summer is unfolding and we're all like anxiously waiting to see what team we're on because you know that determines like your friend group and all of that i was like i don't care what team i'm on i'm just not going to be on the bearcats I'm just not going to be on the Bearcats. I don't care which one. I'll take any of them. Not the Bearcats. I won't be on the Bearcats. I won't be on the Bearcats. You won't catch me on the Bearcats. Okay? This is all I talked about for that summer. Okay? So I will never forget this moment. My mom loves to tell this story all the time and be like, my daughter is a witch. But basically, I go up to the mailbox, get the letters out. I see the letter. I open it up. What does it say? Bearcats. I'm bursting into tears i am distraught i'm like are you kidding me are you kidding me okay so my mom's like trying to calm me down and like let me know it's not that serious but of course i'm in seventh grade everything is serious and all of a sudden i look down and i see another letter in my hand addressed to me and i'm like what and i open up the letter what does it say hi sarah you've been assigned to the explorers boom manifested 12 years old So what do I do? I email the principal of the school and I say, yes, miss, there's been a clerical error. I received two letters. I choose the explorers. Thank you very much for your time. See you in the fall, bitches, but not on the Bearcats. Nope, not this girl. And ever since then, I've been manifesting. I mean, we're all manifesting all the time. But throughout my life, I have done a lot of intentional manifesting, a lot of unintentional manifesting, and it's a cool practice. It deserves a whole episode. But for the sake of today, I'll just explain that manifesting is how our present self can relate to our future self. And there's this idea behind manifesting that if you want something, you already have it. And that's the first and oftentimes hardest part of the process to fully feel. Like you have to believe that the thing is already yours. Because that requires us to step out of the line that we're in and get into the circle. Like I'm having this desire for a reason, right? Our desires aren't meant to just die out. So manifesting is the active process of closing the gap between our dreams and our reality. And I love this because this is how we take control of our life. Like you can let life be a thing that happens to you or you can actively create it. And manifesting is a tool for actively creating your life. So I urge you, spend time in your wildest dreams. Spend time getting to know your future self. What's something that you can do today to benefit your future self? Think of the desires that you have, like your deepest desires, as nudges from your future self telling you like, hey, Sarah, get the ball rolling. So what can you do right now? See the things that you want and let yourself want them. That's a huge thing. That's a huge thing because we often talk ourselves out of wanting the things that we want, but you can have them, whatever they are. And where we fuck up when we manifest is by identifying too much with the fact that we don't have the thing yet. Like if I were trying to... I don't know, manifest 
a boyfriend and I spent all my time thinking about the fact that I didn't have a boyfriend yet, I would continue to search for things to affirm the fact that I didn't have a boyfriend yet and it would leave me in this negative space. And this is where we have to really future trip a little bit and say, no, the fact that I want this means I already have it. There's just space between me and the thing. So then we shift into this state of allowance and we just let the thing flow to us in divine timing. One last reframe I want you to keep in mind before I like tie a bow on all of this is that beginning and endings are completely arbitrary. Okay, we are always in the middle. We are always in the right now. There are no destinations or arrivals with anything. Everything is just a moment, whether it's here or whether it's there. So every ending you can think of as a beginning and every beginning you can think of as an ending. And this can be a really helpful reframe when beginnings feel really scary or endings feel really hard. Just remember things are always changing, the movie's just rolling and you're just in the middle. So if you've made it here, you're a saint. I know that was a lot. You're probably like, stay off the drugs, Sarah. But just to summarize, breadcrumbs are how we relate to our present selves. Croutons are how our past self relates to our future self. God, I sound so crazy right now. Nudges and manifesting you can think of as our present self relating to our future self. And dreams and memories are tools for understanding our experience, our relationships, our patterns, our desires, and kind of pulling the past, present, and future all together. And you know what? I will address the elephant in the room, and that is maybe none of this is that deep, okay? We're probably just monkeys trying to make meaning of the things we're experiencing, but here I am, I guess, me trying to make meaning, and that's the game. Like, I'm just trying to have fun with it, you know? I've just paid attention to the details and the patterns long enough to notice some really cool shit, and I want to share it because maybe it can help you make new meaning of the things you're experiencing. And again, I wish I could tell you, like, exactly how to train your mind to dream deeply and feel the past like it's right in front of you or see glimpses of the future, but I don't really know how or why I got this way. Things just come in, and I let them. And my assumption is that everyone experiences things like this to some degree. I think it's really about a willingness to look closely at the thing and allow the thing to have meaning. So start small, start with breadcrumbs. And I, I give myself a lot of space to think about the past and entertain ideas of the future. And this might sound counterproductive or counterintuitive to the whole like be here now thing that I also preach. But I think to me, spending time in the past and the future is my now. It brings me closer to what I'm experiencing here right now. Like the present is seen as reality when it is merely one of an infinite number of moments in time. So for me, valuing the past, the present, and the future equally helps me have this whole holistic and appreciative view on my existence, even if the progression of time only allows me to experience each moment temporarily. All right, on that note, let's end this or begin this. <laughs> um, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, please come to me with questions, comments, concerns, rebuttals, medications, just kidding. Um, but I would love to hear from you and would love to know what you thought about this episode and hopefully it made you think about some things, but that's all for now. Go look, go listen, follow the breadcrumbs.